With great power comes great responsibility. Compromise where you can. Where you can't, don't. Even if everyone is telling you that something wrong is something right. Even if the whole world is telling you to move. It is your duty to plant yourself like a tree. Look them in the eye and say no. You move. Never step onto the battlefield of ideas unprepared. Before you enter the fray, you need a plan. And there's no better place to get one than right here on Tactics with host Caleb Colquitt. The Situation Room goes live now on News Radio 1440. Welcome in, everybody. And it is Memorial Day, so I figured I'd go ahead and do a Memorial Day special this evening. So we're not going to get into the usual stuff that we do. We're not going to talk a whole lot of politics or any of the news of the day. We're strictly going to be looking at five American soldiers that lost their lives. Of course, Memorial Day is different from Veterans Day. It is the day that we get together to remember those who have fallen, who did not make it back and gave the ultimate sacrifice in the service of their country. So we're going to go ahead and get right into that. We're going to be looking at the profiles and life stories of five different soldiers, and they will be biographies. They'll be relatively brief, but I felt like that was really the best way to remember Memorial Day and to really give kind of a service. Obviously, there's thousands of people that have lost their lives for the cause of liberty, but we can't honor all of them. But since the, the, the purpose of Memorial Day is to memorialize or to remember those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for their country, I just think it makes sense that we need to do the best that we can to remember them. And the best way to do that is to tell their story. Now, I'm going to try to do this in such a way that I'm going to be drawing from five different American wars. There's, like I said, far too many stories. You can look over the plains of Arlington National Cemetery and see the interned heroes there. There's thousands and thousands of fallen soldiers, and every one of them has a story, and every one of them deserves to be remembered, and that's why they are in Arlington. But unfortunately, we don't have time in the, the brief little bit that we have, the 24 hours we have dedicated to Memorial Day to remember all of their stories. So I figured that I'd take just a few. Some of these are in Arlington, a few of them are not. Uh, but all of them did lose their life in service to the cause of America. And so we're going to go ahead and jump into them and I'll, I'll give you some brief information about them. And I really do think that this is worth your time on Memorial Day to, yes, it's a great time to spend with your family and to go out and barbecue and, you know, head to the pool, play with the kids, that kind of thing. And, and that's all good and well. And that's part of the reason that these soldiers died is so that we could have those things. But ultimately, it's important for us to take just a few minutes to stop and think about the sacrifices that they gave and to honor them in that way. And that's really what this day is for. And so this is in a very small way, and I know a very inadequate and insufficient way, just my little way of, of trying to help people remember what Memorial Day is actually about. So without further ado, we'll go ahead and get into that and we'll start these right now. The Revolutionary War. Major General Johann de Kalb, United States Army. A self-styled nobleman and general, Baron Johann de Kalb made his way through the ranks of the French armies before eventually becoming an American commander during the Revolutionary War. The son of peasants, his first recorded military service was as a lieutenant in the French Lowendal Regiment, probably starting in 1743. 
He served in that unit during the War of Austrian Secession, 1743 through 1748. He was later a major during the Seven Years' War, 1756 through 1763. After the war, his position was terminated, and he spent several years searching for command. DeKalb operated as an agent of the French government in the British colonies in North America, providing intelligence on the Stamp Act crisis from April 1767 until January 1768, when he was discovered and forced to return to France. DeKalb lived in semi-retirement in France until 1777, when he was offered command in the American army. He was one of a number of prominent European officers who traveled to America where they were welcomed by a government with few experienced military leaders. DeKalb was initially passed over, however, and the much younger Marquise de Lafayette was commissioned a general by Congress. When DeKalb was eventually commissioned as a major general on October 9, 1777, he worked primarily in an advisory role until he was chosen by General George Washington to lead reinforcements to the South where the war's action was beginning to concentrate. Leaving the Continental Army's winter quarters at Morristown, New Jersey in April 1780, with 1,400 troops from the Maryland and Delaware lines, DeKalb arrived in South Carolina in June. The Battle of Camden was one of several devastating defeats suffered by the Americans in the early stages of the British military offensive in the South. After capturing Charleston in May 1780, British forces under General Charles Lord Cornwallis established a supply depot and garrison at Camden as part of their effort to secure control of the South Carolina backcountry. In July, American Major General Horatio Gates marched his army into South Carolina, intent on liberating the state from British control. As Gates neared Camden, word of his movement reached Cornwallis at his headquarters in Charleston. The British commander immediately left the city to take the field against Gates. The armies approached one another north of Camden early on the morning of August 16, 1780. After a brief skirmish, Gates formed his men for battle. He made a critical error in his deployment. Under the custom of 18th century warfare, the most experienced units were placed on the right of the line. Gates positioned the veterans from the Maryland and Delaware line on the right. He should have recognized, however, that his opponent would do the same. The American commander positioned inexperienced Virginia militia under Brigadier General Edward Stevens on his left. When he arrived on the field, Cornwallis formed the veteran 23rd and 33rd regiments of foot on his right to face Stevens. The regiments were led by one of his best line officers, Lieutenant Colonel James Webster. When the British advanced and presented bayonets, the Virginians immediately turned and ran. Their flight carried to the North Carolina militia in the center of Gates's line, and the American position quickly collapsed. The Continental regulars from Maryland and Delaware, however, withstood the assault. Under Major General Johann de Kalb, the Continentals remained on the field as Gates and the rest of the army fled. Nearly surrounded and overwhelmed, many joined their comrades in retreat. De Kalb's unit fought well, but was unable to hold back the British. As he desperately sought to rally his troops and resist the British advance, DeKalb was mortally wounded and taken prisoner. He died three days later, on August 19, 1780. DeKalb's heroism was hailed by many, including John Hansen, who wrote of how DeKalb, quote, fell so gloriously in the cause of America, unquote. In October 1780, Congress passed a resolution calling for a monument to DeKalb to be built in Annapolis, Maryland in honor of his leadership and service with the Maryland Line. 
Although the Maryland General Assembly passed a similar resolution in 1817, it was not until 1886 that Ephraim Kessler's statue was erected on the grounds of the State House. These accolades were well earned as DeKalb and his men sacrificed themselves so that other lives could be saved. Because of them, the cause of liberty lived to fight another day. General DeKalb was a Frenchman, born in Germany, and yet he died an American hero. World War II, Private George Watson, United States Army. On the morning of March 8, 1943, Private George Watson was aboard the Dutch streamer's Jacob, which was moored at Pollock Harbor on the island of New Guinea. Watson was far from home. The Birmingham, Alabama native graduated from the Colorado Agricultural and Mechanical College in 1942 and entered the U.S. Army via the draft at age 28. He was assigned to the 29th Quartermaster Regiment, 2nd Battalion, which deployed to the Pacific Theater shortly after Watson finished training. He worked in logistics. On that fateful March morning, Japanese bombers rained fire down on the Jacobs, catching Americans off guard. The ship was abandoned, with many of its crew members jumping overboard in a last-ditch attempt to survive the onslaught. Private Watson was among them, though he did not leave the ship to save his own life. According to his Medal of Honor citation, quote, instead of seeking to save himself, Watson remained in the water assisting several soldiers who could not swim to reach the safety of the raft, end quote. Watson saved the lives of several comrades. Exhausted from his heroic efforts, Watson drowned that day. His actions earned him the Army's second highest award, the Distinguished Service Cross. He was the first African-American to receive the decoration in World War II. And, in 1997, Watson was one of seven African-Americans awarded the Medal of Honor by President Bill Clinton. According to his citation, Watson's, quote, extraordinarily valorous actions, daring leadership, and self-sacrificing devotion to his fellow man exemplify the finest traditions of military service, end quote. Often, heroes come from unexpected places and the humblest of backgrounds. Military heroism is not always about defeating the enemy, but a willingness to preserve life through self-sacrifice. Private Watson's story stands as a testament that valor does not have to come from great men. It just has to come from good men. The Korean War. Private First Class Anthony T. Kaho Ohano Hano. United States Army. Anthony was born on July 22, 1930 in Wailuku, Maui then part of the territory of Hawaii. His father and all five of his brothers served in the military, so it was natural that he joined Hawaii's National Guard after high school and then enlisted in the Army in February 1951. Private Kaho Ohanohano was assigned to the 7th Infantry Division in Korea. On September 1, 1951, the 21-year-old was leading a machine gun squad near Chupari, just north of the 38th parallel, when a large North Korean attack forced U.S. troops to retreat. The enemy forces greatly outnumbered his unit, which was defending Company F at the time. Though Kaho Ohanohano was shot in the shoulder, he decided to return to his original position to provide firing cover as his company withdrew. Kaho Ohanohano faced the assault alone with his machine gun and grenades. When he ran out of ammunition, he grabbed a shovel and engaged the attackers in hand-to-hand -hand combat before he was killed. 
Kaho Ohano Hano's bravery inspired his company to launch a successful counterattack. They found him with the bodies of 13 enemy soldiers. His bravery was initially recognized with the Distinguished Service Cross. His friends and family petitioned for Kaho Ohano Hano to be awarded the Medal of Honor. In 2011, 60 years after Kaho Ohano Hano made the ultimate sacrifice for his country, some 30 members of his family gathered in the White House as President Barack Obama recognized his valor with the Medal of Honor. Because the military is a uniformed fighting force of thousands, we sometimes overlook the importance of the individual when reflecting upon its significance to our nation. Private Kaho Ohano Hano demonstrated the difference a single person can make if he is determined to protect others. He proves individuals are at their best when they give of themselves to support others. Perhaps his life is best summarized by his final words, I've got your back. The Vietnam War Lance Corporal Miguel Keith, the United States Marine Corps Miguel Keith was born in San Antonio, Texas on June 2, 1951. His parents divorced when he was a young boy. His mother remarried, and Keith moved with his mother and stepfather to Omaha, Nebraska. A former teacher remembered him as never one to sit on the sidelines and let others do it all. Keith left high school in January 1969 to join the 1st Marine Corps Reserve and then the regular Marine Corps. He arrived in South Vietnam that November and was assigned as a rifleman with the 1st Combined Action Group 3 Marine Amphibious Force. In the early hours of May 8, 1970, Keith was wounded by a heavy ground attack at the start of a surprise assault by the Viet Cong and North Vietnamese forces on the village where his platoon lived. The American forces were greatly outnumbered. Despite his wounds, the 18-year-old ran towards the attackers and delivered a devastating hail of machine gun fire, killing five. Bleeding heavily, Keith was determined to stop five of the enemy soldiers from approaching the command post. He rushed forward, firing as he advanced. Keith succeeded in disposing of three of the attackers and dispersing the remaining two. At this point, a grenade detonated near Lance Corporal Keith, knocking him to the ground and inflicting further severe wounds. Fighting pain and weakness from the loss of blood, he again braved the concentrated hostile fire to charge an estimated 25 enemy soldiers who were massing to attack. The vigor of his assault and his well-placed fire eliminated four of the enemy soldiers while the remainder fled for cover. During his valiant effort, however, an enemy soldier coming from another direction shot him in the back. He died 30 minutes later. Keith's bravery helped his fellow Marines and South Vietnamese soldiers hold off the attack. A bronze statue of Keith now stands in a South Omaha park. The USS Miguel Keith was commissioned on May 8, 2021. The single-minded determination of Lance Corporal Keith to accomplish his mission shows what a man is capable of when serving a righteous cause that is greater than himself. He truly embodied the ideal of perseverance as he refused to allow any injury or obstacle to hinder him. Despite losing his own life, he served a greater purpose which led to the Marines routing a numerically superior force that day. His sacrifice prepared the way for the success of others, which is at the core of what it means to lead. The War on Terror, Iraq. Sergeant First Class Alwyn Crindall Cash, United States Army. Sergeant First Class Alwyn C. Cash was born in Sanford, Florida on July 13, 1970, and raised in Oviedo, Florida as the youngest of 10 children. 
he enlisted in the Army after graduating from high school in 1988. His service included time in the Gulf War and as a drill sergeant. Sergeant Cash distinguished himself by acts of gallantry above and beyond the call of duty while serving as a platoon sergeant with Company A, 1st Battalion in Salah Adin Province, Iraq, on October 17, 2005. While on a nighttime mounted patrol near an enemy-laden village, the Bradley fighting vehicle which Sergeant Cash was commanding was attacked by enemy small arms fire and an improvised explosive device, which disabled the vehicle and engulfed it in flames. After extracting himself from the vehicle, Sergeant First Class Cash set about extracting the driver who was trapped in the vehicle. After opening the driver's hatch, Sergeant Cash and a fellow soldier extracted the driver who was engulfed in the flames. During the course of extinguishing the flames on the driver and extracting him from the vehicle, Sergeant Cash's fuel-soaked uniform ignited and caused severe burns to his body. Ignoring his painful wounds, Sergeant Cash then moved to the rear of the vehicle to continue in aiding his fellow soldiers who were trapped in the troop compartment. At this time, the enemy noted his movements and began to direct their fire upon his position. When another element of the company engaged the enemy, Sergeant Cash seized the opportunity and moved into the open troop door and aided four of his soldiers in escaping the burning vehicle. Having extracted the four soldiers, Sergeant Cash noticed two other soldiers had not been accounted for, and again he entered the vehicle to retrieve them. At this time, reinforcements arrived to further suppress the enemy and establish a casualty collection point. Despite the severe second and third degree burns covering the majority of his body, Sergeant Cash persevered through the pain to encourage his fellow soldiers and ensure they received needed medical care. When medical evacuation helicopters began to arrive, Cash selflessly refused evacuation until all of the other wounded soldiers were evacuated first. Sergeant Cash's extraordinary heroism and selflessness above and beyond the call of duty were in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, his unit, and the United States Army. Sergeant Cash not only gave his life, but was willing to push through immense pain while saving others. Anyone would understand thinking of your own well-being in light of such debilitating injuries. However, Sergeant Cash felt protecting others was more important than his own agony. He literally walked through fire for others, epitomizing what it means to love others more than yourself. Well, there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening and hope you've learned a little something from this presentation on Memorial Day. Five individuals who gave that last full measure of devotion in order to preserve liberty and to protect us so that we could have days like this and other days here and enjoy the freedoms that we do. You know, we talk a lot about this country not being in great shape, but as long as there are people like the five individuals that we talked about willing to defend freedom, I feel like we're always going to have at least some measure of the freedom that was instilled upon us back in 1776 that made the original founders decide that it was worth the risk of life and limb in order to preserve the blessings of liberty. And I really do pray that we get to the point to where we really fully appreciate the sacrifices that were made there and are willing to align ourselves regardless of our own comforts, regardless of our own desires, and are willing to sacrifice things that we may, it may not necessarily be our life, but sacrifice certain things in our own lives so that future generations can enjoy the same blessings that we did. So hope you and your family have a great Memorial Day. I yeah, hope that you guys do have a, a great celebration and are able to, you know, 
have all the the barbecues and hanging out with the kids and having the day off school and work. I mean, that's all great stuff. But ultimately, I do encourage everybody to remember the actual meaning of this day and what it really is about. So thanks so much for being with us. We're going to call it a night here. I appreciate it. Don't know next time that I'll be able to see y'all, but I am looking forward to the next time it happens. In the meantime, stay the course, friends. Thank you for listening to the Tactics Podcast. Tactics is a production of Not Ashamed Media. Any opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our business partners or sponsors. Graphics by Jessica Dawson. Video production by Jackson Dean. Broadcast studio provided by Faulkner University. Location studio provided by Delreda Church of Christ. Copyright 2021.